For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Episode number 11 of the Believe in Patriots podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brady Farkas. As always, you can find me on Twitter at FA Radio Brady. You can also follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We are brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football back. You might not be able to go to the games, but you can still be in on all the action courtesy of Bet Online. Patriots right now, minus six and a half, what I've seen so far this week. I'd probably take the Dolphins at minus six and a half, or at plus six and a half, but I still give you the Patriots to win the game. I'll tell you my official prediction later in the episode. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place in the internet universe. And there's always the online casino as well. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. As we get ready for Patriots and Dolphins, Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus will be joining us in a couple of minutes to help us get ready for the matchup. Patriots-Dolphins Week 1, a season unlike any season that we've ever seen, a season unlike any season that we've uh, other, uh, you know, that we've ever had. The thing I'm going to be most interested in asking Eric Eager about is at what point will we be able to fairly evaluate teams this year? People in the analytics world always say small sample size. You can't judge a small sample size. Well, we've had no preseason. We haven't seen anybody. We have no tape on anybody. All these teams with all these different either coaches, coordinators, quarterbacks, major skill pieces, totally turned over defenses, so much turnover in the NFL this year. I don't know when we can fairly evaluate. Is it one game? Is it four games? Is it six games? Are we never? Are we not going to really know until the second half of the season? Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, he'll have the answers for us in, uh, again, just a couple of minutes. Optimism for me in week one is lukewarm for the Patriots. I expect them to win, but I still think they're a very average football team. Again, an average football team that can compete for a playoff berth. So don't mistake me saying they're going to be average as, oh, they're just going to go 3-13. and 13. No, I think they are. Best case scenario, 10-6. and six. Best case scenario, everything falls their way. They stay healthy. No fans at certain games, which would help level the playing field for games in which they're not as skilled as the opponent. Best case scenario when that maybe the other team suffers a key injury that makes a game that they shouldn't have won more winnable. The schedule breaks right for them. Uh, best case scenario is 10 and 6. Likely, I think I think they're an 8 and 8 team with the potential to go 9 and 7 or 10 and 6. Conversely, if it goes the other way, worst case scenario, I think, is 6 and 10. Guys are injured. Cam's not fully healthy. Uh, Belichick's out of touch with his players. The key rookies don't make an impact like we thought. Nikhil Harry doesn't make an impact like we thought. Optimism around the around football is bad for the Patriots. 
I mean, I was listening to Colin Coward earlier this week. He says he's got it at 5-11. and 11. He called them, quote, abysmal. Then there was this one from Peter King, which was just absolutely unbelievable to me. This was well, I'm going to ask Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, about this also. Peter King, listen to this, what he had to say of Football Morning in America. The Pro Football Focus has been doing numbers on every NFL player for the last 14 years, since 2006. And collectively, the receiving core of the New England Patriots in 2019 was the worst as a team that they've ever graded on any team in 14 years. Wow. So that was on The Herd with Colin Coward. That was on Monday's edition of The Herd. Peter King says, Pro Football Focus ranked the Patriots wide receivers in 2019 the worst collective group of wide receivers in any year that Pro Football Focus has been grading players and grading positional groups. And the group doesn't look any better this year than it did a year ago. There's no Antonio Brown this year for any portion of the year. There was no Demarius Thomas in camp, which maybe gave us some optimism last year. Mohamed Sanu is gone. That was a busted trade now at this point. You've got an aging and beaten up Julian Edelman. Nikhil Harry, who was beaten up last year, who no one really knows anything about still. And then a whole bunch of question marks. Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers. So there's thought that he we weren't sure he was going to make the team. Most people can't even name the Patriots wide receiver group in full. So Colin says they're abysmal. Peter King tells you their skill positions, their skill position players at wide receiver last year were so bad that they were the worst in pro football focuses grading era. So where is the optimism? Where do I get my idea that they're eight and eight baseline team with a possibility of nine and seven and ten and six? I'm going to give you my three biggest reasons for Patriots optimism. One is Nikhil Harry. Yes, there's questions. There's big questions. He was injured in camp this year. He was injured last year in camp. He missed. He's on IR to start the year. Barely made an impact last season. Didn't even have 15 catches last year. As a first-round draft pick, didn't even have 15 catches. Where is the reason for optimism? For me, his development, I think, is critical, and it's what I'll be watching right from the get-go here in week one. He spent this offseason working on his footwork. And, oh, Brady, who cares about who cares about footwork? We only care about catches, touchdowns, and home run plays. Footwork is important for a wide receiver, and great wide receivers have elite footwork right around the line of scrimmage. So he works with a wide receiver guru, gets better at getting in and out of his breaks, a better first step, getting smarter and realizing you can't simply out-athlete people in the NFL. So now, if he is more of a... He, he is the one physical presence the Patriots have. As great as Julian Edelman is, he is not a physical presence. How does he get by? Toughness and, oh, by the way, elite footwork. Elite footwork is in part what has made Julian Edelman great. Toughness, rapport with Tom Brady, and footwork, all critical to the development of of Julian Edelman. They can be critical to the development of Nikhil Harry. Realizing you can't just win one-on-one battles on athleticism alone. You can't beat Tredavious White off the ball with with athleticism. He won't beat Xavier Howard or Byron Jones in Miami or for Miami this weekend in Foxborough. He won't beat them off the ball without good footwork. And I'm going to be really interested to see what his first step looks like, what his growth looks like coming into year two. 
I've also said this for months on various platforms. I'm going to be fascinated in how the team utilizes Nikhil Harry. Done, I think, are my expectations. No, not done, I think. Done, I know, are my expectations of him just looking like A.J. Green, of him just looking like Julio Jones and going for 105 catches and 1,400 yards and me saying that's what first-round draft picks look like at wide receiver. What I need from Nikhil Harry, what I need from Josh McDaniels in regards to Nikhil Harry, is a realization that there's a proper utilization for Nikhil Harry. Get him the ball. Get him out in space. Let him be a playmaker. While the improved footwork and the improved off-the-line-of-scrimmage skills will help him look closer to your prototypical wide receiver, don't neutralize and take away what he does best, which is be an athlete. Just add more and more to his repertoire. If he gets 65 catches and runs the ball 25 times this year, I'll be okay with that. The Patriots took Cordero Patterson, who was certainly a lesser wide receiver than Nikhil Harry has the potential to be, and deployed him all over the field. Return man, receiver, they put him in the backfield. He was the Patriots' leading lead running back Monday Night Football against Buffalo a couple years ago. If Nikhil Harry can be 65 catches and then be a guy you run reverses with, quick screens, put him in the backfield. I don't care, but get him out in space. His old college coach, Herm Edwards, that was once listening to a radio interview that he did, I believe it was on WEI last year, he said, this guy's electric with the ball in his hands. Get the ball in his hands and get it to him in a variety of different ways. It's not simply line up on the outside, hey, kid, go deep. He should have the ability to do that. The increased footwork will help him with that. He could also catch, you know, juke left, come back right, get the ball on a slant and take it 70 yards to the house. I'd love to see that. But if he looks like Debo Samuel looks, a Swiss Army knife in San Francisco, I would absolutely take that. His development and his usage is critical to Cam Newton's success in Foxborough this year. It's crucial to opening up things for Julian Edelman. It's crucial to opening up things for the running game. It's just crucial to the Patriots. If Nikhil Harry is a complete flop, the Patriots are closer to the 5-11 and 11 that Cowherd is predicting and closer to, again, the worst wide receiver unit in pro football focus history than it is the unit that I think it could be, or rather the team that I think the Patriots could be. Nikhil Harry, got, it's a critical development for this team. It's a critical part of this year's team, and it absolutely is one reason for optimism because I believe that he can be an impact player. Again, he, he might not look like A.J. Green. He might not look like DeAndre Hopkins. But if he gets the ball in his hands, he can do some special things with it. Let's get it in his hands. Second reason for optimism for the Patriots. That secondary is still really, really good. Number one defense in the NFL last year. Yes, they lost a ton from it. Guys who opted out like Patrick Chung. Guys who were traded like Deron Harmon. Guys who left in free agency like Kyle Van Noy and Landon Roberts. But the secondary is still elite. Stephon Gilmore is the reigning defensive player of the year. And I have learned this. Of all the things that I've learned the last few years of covering football, 
one of the things that has been changed in my way of thinking is that it's now more important to have a good secondary than it is to have a good pass rush. In a pass-happy NFL, where quarterbacks get rid of the ball so quickly that you don't even have time to get to the opposing quarterback with your pass rush, if you can neutralize the passing game with your with your defensive backs, that is what allows your pass rushers to get home. Because quarterbacks want to get rid of the ball quickly now. They don't want your linemen and linebackers to be able to get to them. So what allows them time? An elite secondary. Stephon Gilmore is the defensive player of the year. Okay, he can he could give you ten picks this year. He can take balls to the house. He can shut down one side of the field. He can help your other corners, your other secondary pieces, because he doesn't need help. He doesn't need safety high help. He doesn't need double coverage help. He can help out your other pieces, and he can allow a pass rush and linebacking crew that we know is young and experienced, young and inexperienced. We know that he can help them get home and start to apply some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Still there are Devin and Jason McCourty. Still there now is a guy who I'm really excited to watch and Kyle Duggar. When the Patriots drafted him, you know, a division two safety with their first pick in the draft, everyone was like, the hell are the Patriots doing? But here we go. Kyle Duggar is a guy I'm now super excited to watch because the safety linebacker hybrid, the safety linebacker hybrid playmaker is now a very real thing in the NFL. You see it with Jamal Adams at the elite level, now in Seattle, formerly of the Jets. You saw it with Derwin James when he was healthy for the Chargers a couple of years ago. And the Patriots played the Chargers in the playoffs on their way to winning the Super Bowl against the Rams. The key piece that everybody highlighted to to be worried about if you were the Pats was Derwin James. Where's he going to line up? What's he going to do? He can cover. He can tackle. He can run in space. He can blitz. He can do all of those things. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle Duggar is going to come in week one and look like Jamal Adams. But you take a secondary that's anchored by Stephon Gilmore, throw in Devin and Jason McCourty that give you real, not star power, but real solid and... Uh, consistent play, and then you throw in that athlete Swiss Army knife hybrid, Kyle Duggar is a real reason for optimism for this team. That secondary is a real reason for optimism for this team. The final thing that you should be pumped up about if you're a Pats fan is you know they're going to be good on special teams. The Patriots blocked four punts last year. Four Punts was the most in the league since 2014 when the Eagles did it. Matthew Slater, Rex Burkhead, Jake Bailey, the punter, they're all electric in special teams roles. Yes, there's questions at kicker. There are questions at kicker. There were questions last year after Steven Goskowski was playing, and then after Steven Goskowski got hurt. They went through Mike Nugent, Nick Folk, and Kaimi Fairburn. They went through all these guys. Still questions at kicker. But the Patriots are not going to beat themselves very often. They might not be as talented, and they might get beaten by teams. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to do the small things that can help you win football games. Block a punt. okay? Fair catch when you're supposed to and not turn it over and get blasted on a punt and fumble. Down a kick inside the five. Directionally kick it away from an elite return man. All things that aren't sexy. All things that don't always show up in the box score 
they're going to do, and they're going to do it likely better than almost everybody else. If the, if the three things I've said, Nikhil Harry's development, the secondary is still really good, and they're still really good on special teams, there's plenty of reasons that they could get to that 8-8, eight and eight, that 9-7, and seven, that 10-6 and six record. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. I don't think they're, div- they're the division favorite. But there are reasons for optimism that when Colin Cowherd says they're going 5-11 and 11 and they'll be, quote, abysmal, there are reasons for me to believe that they won't be abysmal. And I think that Cam Newton will help as well. Again, Eric Eager from Pro, Fo- Pro Football Focus going to join us in just a couple of minutes. Um, one other thing that kind of stems off the last portion of my conversation is you have to love the leadership on this team. You have to. The Patriots are still the sixth oldest team in the NFL, which shocked me despite getting rid of Tom Brady. They are still the sixth oldest team in the league despite losing a 42 at the time, 43 now, your old quarterback in Tom Brady. That leadership, that veteran presence is good for 2020, and it's also good for the years to come. The the leaders on this team, the veteran presence, the McCordys, Gilmore, Edelman, Lawrence Guy, Matthew Slater, James White, they help create a conduit between Bill Belichick and the players. With Tom Brady leaving, my biggest concern was that the biggest champion of Bill Belichick's message is now gone. Okay, These guys will help reiterate the message, will help reiterate the way of thinking, and will help show young players that it does work and that they need to buy in. As we worry about Belichick being, quote, out of touch, or we worry about him being, quote, not relatable, these veteran players help to bridge that gap. Absolutely critical for the 2020 Patriots and critical for beyond as you try to create more and more players that believe in the system and believe in an aging head coach and believe in really an outdated way of doing things that really only works because it's Belichick and because he's won before. These players absolutely help bridge that gap for both now and in the future. These these veterans are also huge role models for these young players. I'm always amazed at how players, when you talk to them at the end of their career after they retired, how vividly they remember the veterans on the team that took them under their wings. Patriots have key leaders at almost all major positional groups that can be that kind of influence for young players. Show them the way to do it on the field, off the field, in the weight room, in the film room. And when you talk about navigating this particular offseason, those veteran players are even more important to the development of these young players. And those first impressions of the NFL are going to be aided and sculpted by these veteran players. Gilmore McCourty's in the secondary, Edelman at wide receiver, Rex White or Rex Burkhead, James White at running back, Cam at quarterback, David Andrews on the offensive line, Lawrence Guy on the defensive line. They've got leaders everywhere. They've got leaders and veterans everywhere to show these young players. The only place they don't is it linebacker? And surprise, surprise, that's the reason why linebacker is our biggest question about the 2020 New England Patriots. That's the reason why. Because not only do they not have great skill there right now, they don't have great experience there, they don't have great depth there, they don't have that veteran leader. It's why a guy like Dante Hightower, losing him, was so critical to this team. 
But we will have football, Patriots and Dolphins, Sunday, 1 o'clock. All right, now I want to welcome in Believe in Patriots podcast data scientist at Pro Football Focus. It's Eric Eager. Eric, how are you? I mean, we're going to get football on Thursday, so I couldn't be happier. How about you? Well, I'm excited, too, and we're excited specifically for Patriots Dolphins. I got to say, I heard this stat earlier this week on Colin Cowherd from Peter King, who, who attributed it to what you guys do at Pro Football Focus, that the Patriots wide receiver group was the worst ever wide receiver group in the history of Pro Football Focus's data tracking. Is that true? I think so. And <laughs> and, and I think when you look at, um, you know, Tom Brady and, you know, his brilliant career, you know, in many ways, he's been able to buoy some receiving cores that haven't been the greatest. I think back to, you know, 2006 when, you know, it was Jabbar Gaffney and Rache yeah. Caldwell and, um, you know, and, and then when it waned a little bit in 2010 after they traded Moss and, you know, they, they've, they've had ups and downs of the receiving core, but this past season was probably their weakest group. And you really saw it in a lot of Brady, you know, just being unable to deal with pressure for probably the first time in a long time, having to hold on to the ball too long. So, you know, I, 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 you know, receiver is extremely important, uh, probably on offense, second most important to quarterback. So I'll be interested to see what Cam Newton's able to do this season with a group that, you know, hasn't really gotten a whole lot better. You know, I think the Patriots are baseline an eight and eight team, worst case scenario, six and 10, ultra best case scenario, 10 and six. What's your biggest reason of optimism? If you're a Patriots fan, well, I you know I think that the rest of the division is really um, you know unproven, right? So if yeah. you you know there are a lot of there's a lot of things that scream a year away when you look at Miami, you mm -hmm. know, and there's a a lot of things that scream 2019 Chicago Bears when you look at the Bills and, and the Jets are the Jets. So you know the the Patriots could handicap themselves five six wins just in that division if things go right, and of course. Like Cam Newton is a player who I think is a really big variance guy. You know, he, he's he been a player that can be the MVP of the league, but he's also a player that, you know, in 2016, the year right after he won the MVP, he only threw completed 52% of his passes. And I think on a, uh, you know, he he's done it with weaker receiving core. I mean, his best wide receiver the year that he won the MVP was Ted Ginn Jr. And, and you know, Edelman, you know, the fact that, you know, he's older and stuff, he's better than that, you know. So there, there is reason for optimism there. I think the Patriots are really, you know, I think you, you spell it out probably true on average, but I think the Patriots finish between 6 and 10 and 10 and 6 relatively infrequently. Yeah. I think I think they either win a lot of games and hmm. we're wondering what the hell were we thinking when we put the win total at 9 or things don't go well right away and they decide that it's time to go get a draft pick. You know, how difficult has it been for you guys at PFF to forecast this season, especially early, given the, the constraints of the offseason and no preseason tape and nothing to analyze? How difficult has that been for you trying to get ready for week one? Very, I, I mean, very much so. I mean, there's teams that have, you know, a lot of continuity. Those, th those things I think will help. You look at, you know, for example, Kansas City is a ton of continuity. I think they're easily the favorite because of it. Uh, Ravens have continuity, but uncertainty – in many ways, it's some of the most important positions, you know, secondary with Earl out, you know, quarterback, you know, given that, you know, Lamar hasn't played from behind very much in his career. And when he has, he hasn't performed particularly well, um, you know, th but there are teams that are completely up in the air. I mean, Tampa Bay is one of them, obviously, with Brady. 
Uh, you know, Indianapolis is one of them. They have really good continuity, except at two really important spots, which they acquired Philip Rivers and DeForest Buckner. Can those two guys, you know, be what they, you know, require of them? You know, so it's tough. Um, there are teams that are easier than others. And I think we, we talked about this on my podcast, the PFF forecast. I think week one is going to be a lot of learning. I mean, I want to watch Tampa Bay, New Orleans, not to necessarily bet on it, but to see exactly what the case is with those two teams. I want to see New England versus Miami just to really get a gauge of what everything's like. Uh, you know, Detroit versus Chicago. You know, there's a bunch of games where I wouldn't be surprised if anything happened. We all hear in the analytics community the term small sample size, and you don't want to judge a team or a player based off a limited number of repetitions. How – how long do we need to go into this season before we have a real accurate idea of how good or bad a team or player is? I do think it really depends. I mean, I think for a team, like, for example, last year, Indianapolis was five and two out of the gate without Andrew Luck, and they were in the thick of the playoff hunt, thick of the division, and things fell off, you know. Um, but a team like, you know, a team with more, like New Orleans, right away, you kind of know, even though Breeze got hurt, you kind of knew that they were a contender right away. Um, so I think it really depends. I think for teams with, when you go into the season with a really wide prior, it's going to take almost the balance of the season to figure it out. And I think with team, so like new England, for example, I think, I don't know if we're going to know a ton about new England for most of the season, uh, a team like Baltimore, a team like Tennessee, um, you know, teams like San Francisco, new Orleans, Dallas, I think we'll find out fairly soon, like four or five weeks, we'll have a decent gauge on who they are. Uh, as long as there aren't like major injuries. Pro Football Focus is an awesome site. Last year, for the first time, I had access to the whole website, and I had the best membership package that you could have, and I recommend it for anybody who's a diehard football fan. How has the fans' appetite for information like Pro Football Focus puts out there, how has that changed You know, in the 15 years since PFF has, has been around? Well, it's been really interesting. I mean, obviously, we've seen, you know, for us, it's fantasy and gambling are sort of the the, the king, and, and usually that revs up around late July. This year has been really interesting because, you know, we haven't had any preseason games. Uh, Hard Knocks is kind of between two boring teams. Yeah. So interest in the league is really not revved up until the last two weeks, uh, which is really interesting. But I, I think in general, people just want to be informed. And the good fans, I you know, I think that the fans who – there's obviously people who – are going to disagree with you if you don't like their favorite team or their favorite player. Um, but I think generally speaking, you know, what we, and, you know, some of the, obviously the other sites and things like that and good beat reporters, good podcasters. I mean, with the, the elevation in the, basically the, the, the level of being able to talk about football has been enormous over the past, uh, you know, five to 10 years, especially relatively recently. You know, I was shocked to hear even that Pro Football Focus has been grading players for 15 years. That was actually news to me. And I, at my core, I'm a diehard baseball fan. So I, I guess I got into analytics in baseball. You know, I'm 30 years old, so I probably got into it at about 22 or so. Like, I was in it, well, you know, relatively early, I think. Um, does baseball get credit for the analytics revolution in sports in general? Or is it more in football than I thought it was? Well, I, I think baseball is just a – yeah, baseball is further ahead. Basketball is further ahead. I think hockey and football are about on the same plane. Um, I, I just think it's just interest in the sport and wanting to be better. You know, the, the thing about baseball and the thing about basketball is the cream rises to the top so quickly as far as, you know, uh, analytics and, like – basketball game has you know hundreds of you know scoring opportunities 
And yes, there's variance and that has increased with the number of three pointers and layups that people have taken now. Um, but generally speaking, if one team's better than the, the other, over the course of 82 games, that's what you're going to see. Yep. Um, baseball's the exact same thing. Um, football's not that way, right? I mean, I think of, you know, a couple cornerstone movements in, in the game. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017 went for fourth downs at a rate that was unheard of in the history of the game. And two of them in a Super Bowl win against Bill Belichick's Patriots. If they don't make those fourth downs, you know, we're, we're in a different place, I yeah. think, in some ways. And and the Ravens were similar. I mean, the Ravens were, you know, took you know the, the lead from the Eagles and pushed it even further. And what happened when they got in the playoffs? They lost to Tennessee because they missed two fourth and ones during the middle of that game. And football being what it is, you know, 16 games, you know, 65 plays per team, the sample is so small that some of these efficiencies take forever to sort of work their way through the game because, you know, a team like Seattle can make the playoffs for the last few years, despite, you know, not being optimal. Um, you know, New England's relatively optimal, but in some ways they're optimal. They don't go for fourth downs the way that they should, but they're optimal in so many other places that they've been, you know, obviously relevant forever. It's a really tough sport. And I think that, the slowness of it is due, I think, to the compli compli complicated nature of the game, but also the fact that the game is just so small sample. You know, I see guys in baseball, and Trevor Bauer specifically comes to mind. Like, he's all in on fan graphs. He's all in on analytics. Do you have that in the NFL? Are there a number of players that are taking your data, calling you about your data, wanting to learn about your data? Is there the analytic movement among the players in the NFL? I, I think so. I think, you know, we're always going to see the undervalued players. Like Chris Harris was one who we graded really well coming out of Kansas, who, you know, got a big contract and probably wouldn't have gotten noticed without us. But there are also other players who many thought was a good player and our statistics didn't, you know, uh, push us towards that. So it really just depends. There are players that certainly cite us more than others, but there are some that hate us. And I think that that's you know, just the nature of the game. But yeah, we, I mean, the, the, the core thing is that people just want to know the game of football and analytics allows us to do that. I think better than we were when we did without analytics and it helps players sort of, you know, track their performances. It helps us track our favorite teams. It's just an a, a, extremely good resource. You know, how important was it for you guys at PFF to have the backing of a former player in Chris Collinsworth, and then there's guys like Bruce Gradkowski who are there because it gives credibility and, and rejects the notion that, oh, these guys didn't play, so what the hell do they know? I mean, how important was that to have former players either working with you or founding the company in general? Extremely so. I mean, the the fact is, is like we, you know, Zach Robinson was our was our Bruce Gradkowski before yep. Bruce was, yep. and he went to coach the quarterbacks at, you know, the LA Rams. That's, you know, he, you know, I mean, he wowed in his interview as a result of having access to all the information we have and also being extremely smart in his own right. Um, you know, Chris Chris buying into the company is immense because it got us the resource to do college football and college football, you know, is is the is the pipeline to pro. And if you can understand that, then you can do better draft projections. You can do better, uh, you know, basically just, you know, you can cover the game better. So it, it's extremely important. And you know, I think that the football people consistently keep us on our toes and, and, and you know, that that's a really good thing. You know, the one thing, if somebody asked me, what's the one thing I want to learn as a sports radio host, the one thing I could be better at, I would love to learn how to break down NFL film. Like, did you have to teach yourself how to do that stuff? Because sure, I can tell you when it's a blitz or when, hey, we're going three wide here and what 21 personnel is, but I couldn't tell you exactly what the tape looks like. Did you have to teach yourself those nuances of the game? 
Well, I mean, I played in college, so okay. I had some experience with that, but I also don't do the majority of the data collection. I'm most of the I'm mostly taking the raw data and trying to generate insights from it. Um, I do go back and look and say, you know, like I try to find, you know, for example, for college to pro projections like a guy who I've never heard of, like I will go back and watch film, but I'm certainly not like a play for play kind of guy. Are are the the guys that we have watching plays and collecting data for us, they're they, I mean, it's a, a humongous manual. It's years of, of, you know, working on smaller processes before we give them a big process. It's an arduous task. I mean, people, I mean, that's, that's one of the real things that garnered us, I think, some support is that, you know, watching film and things like that is not trivial. And when we got, you know, coaches like Paul Alexander to come in and say, you know, I watched the same film as they did. I got the same conclusions. Like that was big. And, and it really was a feather in our caps insofar as, uh, you know, getting us some respect. How is the grading done? Well, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of things in football are one-on-one. So in pass protection, you know, if a defensive end will beat a left tackle, the defensive end gets a plus 0.5, the left tackle gets a minus 0.5. Quarterback's a little bit different because you got to sort of divide the credit between the court, the quarterback and the receiver on a play. Um, but again, very similar, you know, when, when it's a one-on-one matchup. Other things, it's a little bit trickier, but mostly it's just, you know, watching film and seeing – you know, what was a player supposed to do? Did they perform it, you know, above or below average on a given play? And then we go through and make sure that those things get spun up at the team level, the player level, you know, uh, that they make sense over subsets of data and all that kind of stuff. I can't believe I'm going to get to ask a real football question about a game that's actually coming up after all of these months. As I think about Patriots, Dolphins, what's your key to the game? What should we be looking for a couple of days from now? Yeah, I to me, I think, you know, the Dolphins in our wins above replacement last year were a below replacement level secondary last year. Yep. And, and, you know, when you look at what wins on defense, the Patriots know this better than anybody. You look at, you look at the way that the Patriots have handled letting free agents go, who they've actually signed. The Patriots know that a secondary full of players that complement each other is the most important thing on a defense. And when I look at the Patriots offense versus the Dolphins defense, I look across the field and I see Byron Jones, I see Noah Igbenogamy, and I see uh, Xavier Howard. That's a pretty good trio of corners. If if Cam struggles out of the gate and those receivers can't get open against that trio of corners, it's going to be tougher for the Patriots than it has been in the past. And and, and to me, that that's really going to be, I think, the matchup that matters the most in this game. Um I, I, I like the Patriots to win, but I, I think the spread of six is a little bit steep. One of the things I think that, well, actually I know that Pro Football Focus has taught me is just from reading it and just talking to a bunch of insiders at PFF over the years is that the secondary is now more important than the pass rush. And I don't know when that flipped, but I am now on board with that way of thinking. So when we look at the Dolphins secondary and the Patriots secondary, those are, those are two of the best units in this game, but they're both going to help alleviate the concerns about pass rush. Right. And that that was a study we did, you know, a couple of years ago. And, you know, over the years, we've gotten small confirmations. I mean, the biggest confirmation is that the smartest coach in league history, which is Bill Belichick, believes the same thing we do. Um, But the but the other thing is just sort of, you know, you look at some of his descendants. I mean, Flores, you know, that's kind of how he built his team. And and you look that is my main concern with the Pats. You know, Gilmore is terrific. We know, though, that year to year, it's really tough to be the best corner every single season. Um, losing Harmon in the middle of the field is not trivial. Losing Chung covering tight ends isn't either. And, you know, uh, you know, Collins was a good coverage linebacker. There are some things that I think I'm a little concerned with of the Pats. But, 
you know what they what they will do though is is they'll they'll scheme it up. I mean, and and you know the thing that the Patriots do the best that you know the Dolphins haven't done in, historically is you know their fifth best coverage player is better than a lot of people's third or fourth yeah. best coverage player, and that's really where you win is not having weaknesses. So you know a season ago the Dolphins had weaknesses everywhere. People could exploit them. This season having three starting caliber corners again is going to really help them. Outside of the Dolphins' secondary, what should scare the Patriots the most in this matchup? Mike Gusecki. Hmm. You know, I yeah. think he was the one that really, you know, he scored the game-winning touchdown yeah. a, a season ago. And you know, I'm a Kansas City fan, and that was a big play for Kansas City yes. uh, to get them the two-seed and, and eventually the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Chung is a pretty good football player. And, um, you know, the Patriots, I, I like the Duggar pick. Uh, you know, I like – the things that they, you know, the, the players that they drafted, I think can add a ton for them. I just need to see it once, you know, early on. So I'm a little concerned there. I think Gasicki is a good enough football player, especially, you know, second year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That That's the one that scares me the most. I think, I think Gilmore will cover Parker fine. Um, yep. But, but I, I think Gasicki the one that, that, that would make me nervous about a pass man. I'm excited about Kyle Duggar. I like the idea of a Swiss Army Knife player in the defensive secondary. It kind of reminds me a little bit Jamal Adams, a little bit Derwin James. How how common now is this hybrid safety linebacker becoming in the NFL? I think very. I mean, one of the one of the things that's sort of coming um, to roost here as far as understanding defense is understanding that stopping the run is not as important as being able to cover. And you know, the the, the first corollary of that is. When you're running, let's say a, a two-three-six dime, right? Yep. Most teams will run a two-four-five nickel, but that that second inside linebacker can really be a safety. And and if you give up four or five yards per rush, that's not that doesn't feel great. Obviously, from a football perspective, it feels kind of soft. But when you're but when you're giving up four or five yards a rush in lieu of giving up six seven yards a pass, the trade-off is pretty good. And, and team, you know, you look you look across the league at yards per carry allowed, and some of the best defenses give up a lot of yards mm. per carry because they're willing to allow the other team to run on early downs. Because you know, third and four is not a gimme, right? You know, right. third and you know, second and one is right. So what you want teams to do is to run the ball on early downs, and you know, and, and having a, another safety in there that is at least not a sieve it is good enough to accomplish those things. How much running does Cam do in 2020 in your estimation? I I think he'll have to do a lot. And you know, if if I'm if I'm the Pats right now, I run him because, you know, you you didn't invest a whole lot into him. The downside risk is that he gets hurt and you are competing for Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And the upside is tremendous. I mean, we've done a study that, you know, basically the running game you, you look you look at the running backs in in on a team and they do better when there's a running quarterback in the game you know when that, that seems clear I mean the, the linemen have to you put an extra player as a blocker in, in theory and you know you, you get to run you know better as a running back and so they can get something out of Michelle they can get something out of you know their their other backs um with just with the presence of cam and, and so especially given that their their receiving core is not great that their offensive line is a little sketchy, with the with the opt outs, I think they run the ball with Cam a lot, and it, and if he holds up, then I think that they can be pretty good. Which team intrigues you the most in twenty twenty? 
I think I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with another uh, New England uh, you know assistant. I'm going to go with Detroit. I yeah. I know Patricia's gotten a lot of flack, and and I think some of it is deserved. But you know he he's kind of shown himself as a leader of men this offseason with how they've handled you know the various protests and things. I I think that they're they're building that defense the way that Belichick would. You know, getting Justin Coleman to play the slot. Uh, you know, uh, Desmond Trufant and Jeffrey Akuda to play corner. Um, you know, Jerron Harmon to play safety. It's like the Patriots yeah. all over again. And then they have Jamie Collins at, at inside linebacker to go with Trey Flowers underneath. That's, you know, that's a that's a decent defense. And one of the best kept secrets a season ago is that Matthew Stafford was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL prior to injury. And I don't see that really changing. In fact, I can see it getting better. TJ Hawkinson, a top 10 pick at tight end, really didn't make his presence felt last year. I think that'll change. And then you have, you know, obviously former Patriot in Amendola, but also two really good outside receivers in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. I'll get you out of here on this. Which team are we overvaluing heading into 2020? I think the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I I like the direction the Vikings are going long-term, um, but, you know, they had 15 draft picks this year. They traded their best player to the Bills. Um, their offensive line is sketchy. They lost their offensive coordinator to Cleveland. Um, Kirk Cousins is always a player that I think requires good circumstances to really perform. And a season ago, they got to play a lot of backup quarterbacks. And Kirk, they were ahead in a lot of games, and they got to run a lot of play action, and that really is conducive to Kirk. I think you have to look no further than the New England game in 2018. When they got behind, Kirk – has to play in the shotgun with three wide receivers, and he's just never been comfortable in that situation. Uh, and I think that the, you're going to see a lot more of that. If you look at their schedule, there's a lot of good quarterbacks on that schedule. And so I think, you know, they are favored to win the NFC North. Um, and if I had a gun to the head, I'd, I'd still pick them. But I think there's a significant chance that they're going to be under 500 this year. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, data scientist, pff.com. You can follow him on Twitter as well. Eric, thank you so much, man. I look forward to doing it again. Thanks for having me. Football. That's right, baby. All right, thanks to Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, and Joey, the guys at PFF, Austin Gale, Eric Eager, uh, Bruce Krakowski. We had all of them on at some point or another when I was in radio, so I've enjoyed talking to all those guys. Learned a lot, pff.com. Now I want to get into, before I wrap it up here, Patriots, Dolphins, keys to the game. Cue the music. The player I'm most excited to watch don't outthink the room here. The answer is Cam Newton, okay? It's a new era of Patriots football. It hasn't happened very often in the last 30 years that the Patriots organization gets a chance to reinvent itself. Embrace it, be excited for it, watch for it, watch for the new things, the wrinkles on offense, the wrinkles in how Cam leads the huddle, how Cam plays. Eric Eager thinks he's going to run a lot. I don't think he's going to run that much. I mean, I think he needs to run a little bit and be a threat to run. But I don't think he's going to go off for 1,000 yards rushing this year. How healthy is his shoulder? How healthy is his foot? All the questions that we've been waiting months to get the answers on and how the Patriots will play without Tom Brady, how they will play now with Cam Newton. I'm fascinated to see it play out in real time on Sunday. So uh, the, the player I'm most excited to watch is absolutely, unequivocally, Cam Newton. Moving on, the player that I think can have the biggest impact for New England is Stephon Gilmore. He needs to shut down Devontae Parker because the Dolphins have questions at wide receiver behind Parker. Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, who's coming off an injury, those are the guys that fall in line behind Devontae Parker. If Ryan Fitzpatrick gets on a roll, 
he gets on a roll and he could sling it all around the football field. If Parker is taken out of the game by Gilmore, more pressure on Fitz, more pressure on unproven receivers, more pressure on a new look backfield for the Dolphins. Stephon Gilmore, player I most I most believe can have a big impact for New England. Things that scare me about this matchup. Ryan Fitzpatrick's gunslinger nature. I've said it all week long. So I'll leave that. You know, that's in the previous pod. The running game that I just mentioned, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, that's 1,100 new rushing yards added to this matchup. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher for the Dolphins last year. And while he is a threat to take off because of that gunslinger nature, 1,100 new yards are added to that backfield. Jordan Howard, the scat back dynamic, Breida with some speed and some power to his game. They certainly can add some more dynamic things to this offense. If Gilmore can shut down Parker, though, for my last point, then maybe the team becomes a little more one-dimensional and that running game not as big a difference. If everything is clicking for Miami, Patriots are in trouble there. Uh, also, the secondary that Eric alluded to, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard right there, should certainly improve a defense that gave up the most points in the NFL per game last year. 31 points a game last year, the Dolphins allowed. The Patriots, with their questions of wide receiver, they can't afford to be shut down and become one-dimensional. It's going to be critical to get Julian Edelman going, which will, much like the Dolphins, take pressure off Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, and then the Patriots' running game, and then Cam Newton by an extension of that. So get Edelman going. It's going to be tougher, though, against this new-look Dolphins secondary. Some key stats. I mean, that Dolphin point total is gaudy. Again, 31 points a game last year. Last in the NFL. Got to expect it to be better. Question will be if the Dolphins' offense is going to be better. Last year, they were 25th in the league in scoring per game last year. Patriots' defense was number one. Pat's defense, not as good as it was a year ago. Dolphins' offense likely to be better than it was a year ago. They're going to have to come out and be able to do some things on offense. If this game is 13-6, to I think the Patriots win. If this game gets up to 31-27, I think the Dolphins win. So I just don't see the Patriots' offense being that dynamic right now. I'm going to go with a low-scoring affair, but I think the Patriots' offense a little bit better than it's being given credit for. Week 1, Dolphins in Foxborough. Patriots win it 21-17. So thanks to my guests this week, Eric Wood, former Bills center and pro bowler, and Eric Eager on this podcast. We are back at it again next week. We'll have a full recap of Patriots, Dolphins, and more great guests as well. Follow me on Twitter at FA Radio Brady. We'll see you soon, everybody. Go Pats! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.